Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I'm your host, Abby Williams. This week, I'm welcoming on Kimberly Beam Holmes. Kimberly is the CEO of Marriage Helper and founder of Pi Universities. For over 10 years, she has applied her master's degree in psychology to helping thousands of people find love again in their relationships and marriages through a process called the love path. Kimberly shares with us the four-step research-based formula for falling in love and staying in love. All of these can also be applied to your parenting and building relationships with your kids. I love Kimberly's passion for creating strong marriages, which in turn creates strong families. You can find Kimberly on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Marriage Helper. Kimberly will also be offering a free 30-minute mini course called How to Get Your Spouse Back, which will be linked in the description of this podcast. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode, and if you do, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Your support here on the podcast always means the world to me, and I so appreciate you being here. So let's get started. Cheers. Kimberly, welcome to the Mimosas with Moms podcast. I am so excited that you are joining me here today because I think our relationships get tricky once we enter parenthood. And so I'm excited to kind of talk about it with you. But first, tell my listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure, absolutely. So I'm a mom as well. My name's, as you said, Kimberly Holmes. I'm a mom of two. So I have a seven year old and a five year old. And So both of our siblings are adopt, or both of my children are adopted, but they are biological siblings. Yeah. So we've been parents for three years. So that's an interesting dynamic too. Like our kids are older, but we're also kind of new to parenthood. Right. Right. (laughs) Which is super fun. And then I'm also the CEO of an organization called Marriage Helper that supports, saves, and strengthens marriages to last a lifetime. Yeah. So let's like kind of walk through some of these challenges of our relationships. First of yeah. all, let's like kind of talk about, I guess, what it means to fall in love, how we fall in love with our partner and how we continue to follow in love with our partners. Yes. Such a great question. And what most people don't realize is that falling in love is actually a process. Yeah. And when you know the process or you're aware of the process, then it's great because it gives you a formula or a path that you can go back to. But if you stop following this process of falling in love, then you can fall out of love, even if you don't mean to. Right. And this is what happens in a lot of relationships. They don't realize there's a process. They stop following it. They start falling out of love. And then they kind of, quote unquote, wake up one day and realize or think, I don't. I don't feel like I'm in love with this person anymore. Maybe I don't even know who I'm married to anymore. Yeah. So the good news is at Marriage Helper, we call this process the love path. Yeah. And so I'll share with you each of the stages of the love path. Now, it's one of those things where like I could spend a lot of time in each stage or I could just (laughs) give you the brief overview. So I can give, I can start with the brief overview and then just let you ask questions. Perfect. Piques your interest more. Great. So there's four stages of the love path and I'm going to give you a pro tip. All of them start with an A. So if you're taking notes, just look out for, for that alliteration. But the first step of the love path is called attraction. Yeah. And it's one of those stages where people first hear that and they're like, oh God, like I get it. Especially moms. They're like, I get it. I see the bikini bodies on Glamour Magazine and on Instagram. Lord help us. I started following this woman on Instagram who's like 55 years old and doesn't have an ounce of body fat. (laughs) 
right? And you just look at these people and you're like, I'm done with life. I don't even want to see the comparison trap. We get in it so easy. Yeah. And that's a lot of times what we think of when we hear this word attraction, we equate it to how someone looks. Right. But the real breadth of attraction, the real depth of it is in way more than just looks. There's actually four areas of attraction, physical only being one. Yeah. We call it the pies of attraction because each of those letters stands for some for the for the pies. So even though physical is part of it, yeah. it really has more to do with your age and situation in life, not yeah looking like a supermodel, but how do I look and feel for the best that I can for my age and situation in life? And we all get that because we're bombarded with those messages every day. But even deeper than that is intellectual attraction. So this area is all about how do I connect conversationally? Like, do I share things in common with my husband? Does he share things in common with me? When when we come home from the end of a busy workday or after spending all day with kids, are we able to sit down and have a conversation about something other than the mortgage or the taxes or what happened with the kids that day? Like, how can we stay best friends. Yeah. So is it a person, am I a person, if we're asking these questions about ourselves, am I a person that my husband enjoys talking to, enjoys having a conversation with? So that is the, the basis of intellectual attraction. But even deeper than that, we move into the E, which is emotional attraction. And in emotional attraction, it's all about, am I evoking emotions within others that they enjoy feeling? Yeah. And this is such a crucial part of attraction, of falling in love overall, because someone can be the most beautiful, the smartest, this like the most amazing person. But if they treat us in a way where we don't like the way we feel when we're around them, then it's going to push us away and sometimes for good. Yeah. So asking ourselves the question, how, what am I doing that's evoking positive emotions in the nose, the ones that they enjoy feeling? when they are around me is a key question. And then the final of these four of a tr- in the first stage of attraction uh, is spiritual attraction. So this is all about, am I living out my beliefs and values yeah. in the way that I say they matter? So we've often heard, or I don't know if you've heard it. I hear it a lot. We, we, uh, you can tell what our priorities are when you look at our wallets and when you look at our calendars. Yeah. So, I'm convicted of this all the time, being a full-time working mom, but also wanting to be a fully present mom. I say family is a priority, but am I willing to put my phone down at 5 p.m. and not look at it again? No. Yeah. Like, oh, the amount of hard. It's so hard. Yeah. That's what it's all about. So spiritual attraction is, am I living in line with my beliefs and values? So that's the first stage of falling in love. Attraction, all of those things are what help make us the most attractive that we can be. Yeah. So my only question is, uh, where does doing the dishes fall in attraction? <laughs> like our husband's doing the dishes for yeah. us? Yeah. I'm like, to me, I feel like the things that attract me to you right now in our season of parenting mm-hmm. is when I don't have to make decisions. That's mm-hmm. hot. When uh, you just take it upon yourself to do the dishes instead of me being like, uh, hello, the dishes, they're piling and I'm drowning over here. Can you help? You know, that's attractive. Exactly. So I'm like, yeah. You find me buried under the laundry. Until then, you please take out (laughs) the trash and do the dishes. Yeah. I'm like, I would much rather, I find like, yeah, 
you know, some of these other things more attractive than, I don't know, like the physical attraction maybe right now, right? Where it's like, maybe that goes under the category of physical attraction. (laughs) Well, no, I actually think it goes under emotional attraction. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's that it's it's your partner seeing what can I do to help evoke more positive emotions within them. If yeah. they are dying, if they need support, if they yeah. are drowning in all of these things, how can I proactively support and serve them? Yeah. And that makes us feel good, right? Yeah. Like when you see your husband doing that, you're like, oh man, yes. Yes. I'm like, I just don't want to make one more decision today. So if you could just clock in and take over the decisions for the rest of the day. Maybe by the end of the night, we will be together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. It's funny. So I, my dad is actually a sexologist and yeah. I've heard him talk a lot about uh, like chore foreplay. <laughs> yes. About how women who, when they're overwhelmed, like if you're not having sex, if your wife isn't having sex with you, are you helping with the chores? Right. Because that is going to be what gives them their libido back. Right. I mm-hmm. 100% believe in this, especially in these early years. You know, when your kids are little yeah. and your wife is sleep deprived, breastfeeding, mm-hmm. you know, the whole thing. You're just like carrying so much of the load as the mom. And, and then I think like maybe things even out or get a little, you know, more equal. I think that we still carry a lot, but especially in like those early years when you're just like so touched out and I don't know. Yeah. You got to like do some chores around here if you're going to get some. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And there's the underlying, you know, physiological reasons why. Yeah. Why that happens. Right. So I don't know if men listen to the podcast, but if they did, this is what they need to know. (laughs) Do more chores and you will get more action. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Bottom line. Yeah. So what is our other A? Yes. So we'll go to the second stage of falling in love, which is acceptance. Yeah. So this one is all about, can my spouse accept me as I am without requiring me to change first? And this is extremely <laughs> difficult. I know, just listen to it. That's kind of how we all feel I, about I it. I hope I'm doing this right. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a hard one. And I'll be yeah. real with you. So when my husband and I first got married, mm-hmm. we, we had dated for 10 months, but it had been long distance. Yeah. And so every time I was around him, we were doing all these fun things, like hanging out with other people. So it wasn't until like the second week of marriage, I realized he was an introvert. (laughs) So this doesn't work. Like, uh, what do you mean you need to stay home and be alone? Like it did not compute with me. And for the, for the longest, for the, for the first year of our marriage, I kept thinking he's making this up. There's no such thing as introverts and extroverts. Like there's everyone's an extrovert. How could you not be? But what I was really telling myself was he just doesn't love me. Like the story I was telling myself from this was a negative, a negative story about me, but the way I would treat him and the way I would react to him when he would, and he was a helicopter pilot at the time for the military. So he would come home from 12 to 14 hour days and he would be insanely stressed. I had been home all day, all alone because we lived in Korea. I didn't know anyone could speak the language and me, the extrovert, I'm like, people. I'm ready to talk. I'm ready to party. And he's like, 
you've got to give me a couple of hours to decompress and unwind. And, and I did not do that. Yeah. I would hound him. I would pester him. I would plead, like I would try and guilt him into trying to spend time with me until it became where every day it was just a fight. And he knew it was going to be a fight because I, it was always a fight. And so we just started it was, and it ruined, it ruined our intimacy, our communication, Mm -hmm. everything. But the bottom line of it is I wasn't willing to accept him as he was. I was trying to force him to change. Yeah. And that is, a premise. Now that, that situation, like the introvert, extrovert, him being an introvert, which I did finally accept and we have a great marriage now, but him being an introvert is something, um, kind of silly, right? Like, it's like, yeah, you just have to figure it out and then you figure it out in life. But there's other things that are much harder. But I think that like, we all kind of have one of these like tug of wars of needs, right? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Whose need is more important. And and I totally like relate yep. to, and I think a lot of my listeners are probably nodding along as well of like the story that you tell in your head that, well, because mm-hmm. my needs aren't important and you're prioritizing your needs, you just don't love me. Yeah. I think that a lot of us have this tug of war. So like, how do we navigate that? Right. And how do we accept, but not like minimize our needs also. Right. Mm-hmm. Because like Mm -hmm. your need for going out and being around other people, Mm -hmm. when you've been isolated all day, you don't Mm -hmm. have a community of people. And like, that's a very real and valid need, right? Mm -hmm. It is a very real and valid need. So so how did you kind of navigate that, I guess? Yeah. Well, let me tell you what finally worked. (laughs) (laughs) I can tell you all the things that didn't work, but what finally worked is that my husband, his name is Rob. So Mm -hmm. Rob was not super willing to want to compromise with me when all I was doing was attacking him for Mm -hmm. who he was. Mm -hmm. And, and not, and in this situation, he's not doing something bad. There are other situations, which maybe we'll talk about in a minute, but it's like, what if your husband's an alcoholic, right? Like how, How do you accept that? And we can talk about that later. But when it's not something bad, it's just differences, the way we're made differently, personality temperaments. So when I was finally willing to accept him as he was, to realize like, this is not a character flaw in my husband. This is simply the way he's wired, the way he's built. And and I am willing to acknowledge that in him and respect it. Yeah. Then it made the situation to where it wasn't this, you know, just like, uh, I don't even know the word I'm trying. I'm trying to think of the military term of like the zone in between two armies fighting. Anyway, like it wasn't (laughs) this place of combat. It was simply, Hey, like now let's have a conversation. So yes, once it was all, all the emotion was taken out of it and we were able to talk well with each other again about it. Then that's when I'm able to say, hey, Rob, like, let's talk about how both of our needs can be met. I'm really willing to go out on a date, to go, you know, to this party. And we found our compromise because you're more willing to compromise with someone that you believe wants the best for you, too. Right. That's kind of the mindset we need to bring into it in compromise. Yeah. No, I think that that's really great advice. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if it's something where the behavior is destructive. Yeah. Where it's something, you know, especially in the line of work that I do, there's a lot of that addiction. Someone's having an affair, right? Like there's these things where it's like, you don't want, you don't 
accept the behavior? Yeah. Or can you accept the person? So a lot of times behind, uh, especially addictions, it's an underlying pain. There's an underlying history of, of a trauma or there's a current pain that a person's yeah. experiencing that they're trying to numb. So can I at least accept the fact that my husband is going through something painful? Yeah. And how can I empathize with that part of it? Even though I don't accept the behavior right. and I still show him, I accept and love him as a person. Yeah. And it's that, it's that balance, which society isn't doing a good job with showing us how to do right now. We are equating the person with what they do and throwing both of them out if they aren't what we want, but we need to figure out. And there is a way to figure out, like, I love you. I respect you as a person, but I don't agree with this one behavior that you're doing. And that's, that's different. Yeah. Our society is working against us in a lot of these ways. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really is. Yeah. Really is. Yeah. Um, so then what is our next A? So the third one is attachment. attachment. And attachment is all about when you boil it down, when you look at attachment theory, when you look at a lot of that's out there about attachment, it really yeah. all boils down to one thing. Will you be there for me when I need you? Yeah. And that's it. And it's in this stage of the love path. Now that we are attracted to this person. It's someone we want to be around. We feel accepted. We feel like they really see us for who we are and love us unconditionally that we're then able to say, but are they going to, are they actually going to be there when I need them? Are they going to leave work if I need them? Are they going to shut out all over all, uh, all of the other things in life when I need them? And that is what builds us to commit even more. It really deepens our commitment to our relationship, solidifies the long-term commitment to our relationship when we know that the person that we're married to will, when they're going to be there for us. But we have to turn it inward and ask ourselves, am I being there for them when they need me to be? Yeah. That's probably a hard one for me, huh? (laughs) It's a hard one. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think my husband does a really great job of like showing up but like I've been going through a hard time mm-hmm. and like, am I showing up for you the way that you've been showing up for me? Mm-hmm. And that's hard. Do you think mm-hmm. that there are like instances though, where there is kind of this like give or take where one is like giving more during this season than the other one is, or, you know, like you're going through something and somebody's showing up better than the other person and like, that's Okay. I think that's the definition Normal. of marriage. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you're not always going to be like 50-50 balanced. Exactly. There's yeah. always going to be these seasons yeah. and where one of one is just more attuned, more invested, more yeah. emotionally available while someone else is going through something yeah. more yeah. difficult. I mean, think about like, you know, I haven't lost a parent yet, but think about that kind of season. Right, right. You cannot expect the person in grief to be like perfectly available to all of her husband's emotional needs during that time. Right. But we do need the husband to be available for all of her emotional needs. And then that's going to build the attachment. It still builds the attachment in the relationship to where when he's going through something, then she is the goal is that she's more attuned and able to meet his needs. And that's how it balances. Yeah. No, I think that that's like really important. 
you know, to kind of remember that mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be this 50, 50, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know. Cause I just think that we put like so much pressure on ourselves and like the perfectionism shows up mm-hmm. all the time, all over the place. And especially, you know, like kind of going back to like those early years, one of the best pieces of advice that I got from an older couple was that it's not going to be even right now, Mm -hmm. you know, and like just kind of acknowledging it. And some of our, between like my husband and I, some of our like most important moments, especially when I was like during my postpartum periods, mm-hmm. you know, of breastfeeding up all night with babies, you know, sleep deprived, and my load felt heavier. I don't know if it was heavier. I think he had his own burdens that he was carrying too. Um, but him just kind of acknowledging what I was doing. I thought, mm-hmm. I think like, yeah, you're right. That does really stink. Not that like he could pick up the breastfeeding load from me. (laughs) Oh, well, let me help, you know, like he can't do that. But just acknowledging and being seen in that, I thought what I think was very helpful for me. Yeah, Yeah. that's really good. And so in my marriage, it's a little, it's a little switched in the fact that I'm the full-time worker. Yeah. My husband is more of the stay-at-home parent. He's not completely, but his is way more flexible. Yeah. He's the main caretaker during the day. And, and so there's been times where he has been the one saying to me, like, or at the end of the day, I'll say, I need more help with whatever, taking out the trash, you know, the things, the chores, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Cause I'm coming home from a long work day and then there's all this stuff. And he has more than one time, especially in like 2020 said to me, I need you to see what I do. Yeah. Like, I need you to acknowledge what I am doing when yeah. you don't see it. Because right now it just feels like you, you only see what I'm not doing. You're not seeing yeah. what I am doing. Yeah. And that's, that's so key. So I have to make it a real, especially my personality style. I'm a very like, go, 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 get it done. Like <laughs> same. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to slow down and remember to say, to notice him every day. Like, yeah. Hey, thank you for taking out the trash or thank you. Even like, Hey, thanks for taking that 20 minutes to just listen to me vent. Yeah. Right. Because in yeah. that positive reinforcement, we're more likely to get more of the same behavior. Yeah. It's a fun psychological principle we can implement. Yeah. And our final A. Final A. We go from attachment to aspirations. Aspirations. So this this is all about having a shared dream or shared dreams for your future together. Because when you think back, we when we start dating, we kind of had this shared vision or shared goal to get engaged. When it's engaged, it's about planning the wedding and the honeymoon. Mm. And then we get married and maybe the shared vision is we're going to have kids and we're going to live in the house with the white picket fence. But then when you get there, which is where a lot of our listeners are right now, it's like, but what are you doing now that you're looking together towards the future? Yeah. And it's typically after kids that life starts pulling you away from each other. Yes. And if you're not intentional about having something, a shared dream that can bring you back together, then life's just going to keep pulling you apart. So what can this look like? It can look like something as simple as my family. This isn't my family. I'm giving a different example. A family that loves to go camping and just says, you know what? Once a quarter, once every three months, we're just going to 
go camping. And that's going to be what continually brings us back together. Or it can be something as big as we want to retire in the Swiss Alps. And so like, let's work on saving and creating a vision board and like having fun conversations, maybe traveling out there a couple of times, but it's doing something together, especially as a married couple. Like it's good to get the kids involved too, but especially Mm -hmm. as a married couple that continues to bring you back together to, to look towards something you want to do together for your future. Yeah. It took me five years into my marriage to get there. <laughs> mm. Y'all have shared a shared dream? A shared dreams. Um, well, I mean, like, I don't really know that we didn't have shared dreams in those first five years. But like, I think year five, we had like a life-changing whatever. Um, I was 20 weeks pregnant when we got married. And so when we got married, I was like, well, I don't want to take a honeymoon because Mm -hmm. pregnant, that's not fun. So then we have her. I was in the middle of grad school. I finished grad school. And Mm -hmm. when that baby was six months old, I found out I was pregnant again. And I'm like, oh, crap. So we have that baby. And then we have another one right after. So three babies back to back. We now had four kids. Um, And married five years by then. So I was like, okay, we're finally like done. Let's take our honeymoon. So that was last year. We finally took our honeymoon for our five-year wedding anniversary. And it was our first time away, like really from the kids Mm -hmm. for an extended amount of time, not just for, you know, a day. Um, And it was so life-changing for our marriage Mm -hmm. to get that time away from our kids. Mm -hmm. It's like having four kids, we're little, and just like the hustle and bustle of, um, you know, just life and parenting Mm -hmm. them. It's a lot. And we were like, this was so good. Not for only like us individually, we both like desperately needed that break. But for us to connect and prioritize that time together that now we're like, we're doing this every year. We are taking a mom and dad trip every year. And so we did like a really big one last year. We did a really big one this year. And I don't know that they'll be like great and big and luxury every year. Right. I think like there will be some years where it might just be, I don't know camping um yeah <laughs> not a camper it probably won't be a camping yeah me neither but but you know <laughs> but, it like it, but it might not be like a plane ride away it might be you know yeah. a drive away um but I think you know we have definitely made it a priority now that that's mm-hmm. like something that we look forward to and we have like our little like bucket list going of what are we gonna do together travel is a big one for our family. So what are we going to do with our family? Um, and it is like that time together and, and like just the fun of planning those things that you're excited about. Exactly. It is really fun. So you kind of talked about that this pathway was, you know, how we fall in love with our partner in the beginning, but that we continuously need to like revisit, go back And I think that that's really important because I think we're evolving and growing as, Mm -hmm. you know, we're getting older, we're in different seasons of our life, we've got kids added to the mix now. Mm -hmm. How do we like keep making sure that we're going back to these different key points? And like, what do those look like, I guess, as we're evolving? Yeah. What we always tell 
people that we work with is now that you know that that is what can give you the roadmap. That's what gives you the framework, so to say. Right. A path to follow and and keep yourself in check. And so a lot of people will start by just daily kind of taking on this verbiage of what am I going to do today to work on my pies? Yeah. Because we know, we know at Marriage Helper, but we also know from the research that indicates this is that when I focus on uh, not being selfish, but becoming the best I can be by filling myself up so that I have a cup to to give out from, yeah. that that is going to only have a positive benefit on my my marriage, on my parenting, on my work, all of those things. So what am I going to do today to work on my pies? And that's kind of a cornerstone for people right. because it's easy to remember. It's easy to, or simple. It's easy to remember and simple to do, mm-hmm. not necessarily easy to do, but simple. What can I do? One thing physical, one thing intellectual, one thing emotional, one thing spiritual, right? right. So that's something that can give that, that cornerstone to start from. Yeah. But then the rest of it, I mean, going through it, am I, am I showing my husband that I accept him as he is, even if yeah. I don't like what he's doing? Yeah doing some of these self-checks? Am I being there for him when he needs me to be? Yeah. Am I working with him, like asking him, what are your dreams for the future? What can we plan together? What is something that we can do to, to focus on our marriage? Those are some key just top points from each of those that people can keep coming back to. And like you said, it's always important. The whole, all of yeah. the love path stays important for yeah. as long as you're married. You can't just set it and, and you know. We're in love now. We're going to stay in love Right. Forever. Like, it's just going to stay this way. It's going to require no work. Everything's no. going to be perfect. That's the lie that the movies tell us, but. I wish it was that easy, but marriages are a lot of work. And so, I mean, like, you know, how do we, I guess, like, maintain some of these things when we're being pulled by so many different things, maybe we're being pulled in opposite directions. You know, I think that once you add all these kids to the mix and you've got a hundred different schedules, you guys are just like passing by at the end of the day. Like you got Mm -hmm. soccer practice, I got volleyball practice, catch you later, you know, and like it gets hard. So yeah. How do you feel like we prioritize some of the, this pathway? Yeah. By prioritizing each other. Yeah. And there's a reason that having a weekly date night is something that everyone says. Yeah. And it can start to sound cliche, but it's really, it's not about like going to the nicest restaurant in a movie every single week. It's about what can we do to intentionally block off time every, Mm -hmm. at least once a week. Oh my goodness. But uh, ideally every day after, so what could it look like every day for after our kids go to bed? This is what we do. Yeah. After our kids go to bed, we take at least 20 minutes to just talk, to just debrief about anything during that day before we turn on a TV. And we love watching. That's a good idea. TV before going to bed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we're well, really- that, that's like a really good piece of information or like reminder, right? Like before you turn on yeah. the TV, because I think, you know, by the end of the day you get, yeah. and it's so easy to get in that rut. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah. Hey, it is. hurry. I want to watch the next episode of Ozark. Let's go. Right. <laughs> That's true. But another thing is, and, you know, as a woman, I'll say I've been super guilty of this, is a lot of times I expect my husband to know what I want. Mm -hmm. And 
I have just learned ask, like say, Hey, I need you to just sit and cuddle with me for 15 minutes and please don't speak. Right. Like, cause there's yeah. some days where you're like, I don't like we were talking about before this, like, I don't want to hear another person's mouth <laughs> open. Yeah. But if you could just touch me for a second, yeah, <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> and just I ask agree. me that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like in some days you might not have the space to hold all of like their vent sash, you know? Absolutely. It might be a day where you've had too much going on and you're like, mm-hmm. I see you. I love you. I want to hear about your stuff, but exactly. I don't have the space for that today. And I think like that's okay. It's totally healthy. And the yeah. way you just said it is so perfect as well. Yeah. Just being authentic and kind when you say it, I yeah. want to hear it. I don't have the space for it right now. Like, can, can we come back to this at some yeah. point instead of doing something like, I can't handle this right now. Like, I don't want to talk to you right now. <laughs> and I show up like that sometimes too. So if you're like, oh, ugh, it's okay. You cringing. just have to like, from it. Same, same. <laughs> we all, we all fail at this. Yes. But the point is, how do we get back up and do it better the next time? Yeah. Or like coming back and being like, hey, sorry, I showed mm-hmm. up a little not very nice last night. Uh, I'll do better next time. You know, it's so hard. It is so hard. So I guess like, you know, kind of going back to adding all these children to the mix, because I feel like every time you bring kids into your home, it's kind of like a bomb on your marriage a little bit. (laughs) Things get a little disrupted. It's a transition. Um, They're all like welcomed blessings that, you know, we want there. We wanted children, right? But but it's hard navigating your relationship now with these new roommates in your house. Yeah. You know, it's it's a big adjustment. Um, How do we keep the passion alive and, you know, kind of the romance, the va-va-voom of our relationship? How do we keep it going? Yeah. Well, so assuming that we're doing the things we've talked about before. So we're having the date nights, we're asking for what we need. If we're talking specifically about the spice, the intimacy, the sex life, then one great place to start is to talk about it. Yeah. And I didn't, so I, I, did I say this on the podcast or before we started? I guess I've said it in our conversation. My dad was a sexologist. Did I say anyway. Yeah, I think so. I think so in this conversation. Okay. Yeah. So that is the one thing that he really taught me how to do, which yeah. is like sex isn't this naughty thing, this bad thing. It's this mm-hmm. amazing gift. It's amazing blessing that we have. And we can bring a lot of baggage into our marriages when it comes to sex. Yeah. For multitudes of reasons that I won't even get into here. I think we all can understand the significance of it, but how, what would it look like to just start sharing? Oh, I love this. There was, I just remembered it. There was a podcast conversation I had a couple months ago and the woman was a sex therapist. And she said, one of my favorite things to tell clients is um, to ask each other this question, what is it that turns you on this week? Yeah. And I loved that question. I like that like, too. Yeah. You don't get caught in the, well, this has turned him on for the past three years. So I guess that's what I keep, need to keep doing. But it can be like, and sometimes oh, we know. get bored of the same yeah, thing over bored. and over. Like, yeah. We want something new. Yeah. And just expecting that from ourselves, but also from our husbands and asking the questions. And yeah. you know, when they ask us, 
yeah. giving an answer and starting to to try new things. Like what are some things you would like to add in to what we do, right? Like having yeah. those as healthy conversations and being intentional about it is a great place to start. Yeah. Do you think that like the same can be true for when you're not feeling in the mood, you know, because I feel like so many parents, especially in these early years, as I keep like kind of coming back to mm-hmm. feel like touched out, low mm-hmm. libido, uh, just not interested, right? And yeah. maybe like you're going through a dry spell. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like having those conversations help get you more in the mood or is there conversations to kind of normalize some of these seasons? How do we kind of navigate that? I think what is important is that it's hard for women to be in the mood or even willing to have the conversation if they feel like it's like it's their thing. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, well, I already know my husband's mad at me. And this is a generalization. Like in general, women tend to have the lower libido, but there's definitely situations where women have the higher and men have the lower. So whichever way it goes is the way it goes. And either is fine. But for the person who has the lower desire to be more sensitive to them in how you approach it. So for the women listening, if they have the lower desire, then one way I would encourage you to approach it with your husband mm-hmm. um, or even first approach it with yourself. Like, why is it because I'm tired and really I first just need to ask for help with chores? Yeah. Or is it because I'm bored with what we're doing in the bedroom and I need to approach my husband in a respectful way, mindful yeah. of men's egos? You know, hey, like, let's try something new. Then that's going to change the way you approach the conversation. Yeah. Or maybe you're the one who has the higher libido and your husband is the one with the lower. Then again, being sensitive to that, like, how can I open up a conversation with my husband about, hey, what are some things you would love for us to do that would get you excited about having, you know, having more sexual encounters or just sexy time in general, even if we don't actually have intercourse? And exploring exploring those things through fun conversation. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I had in mind for that as well as I was talking, which totally just slipped my mind, but <laughs> it, I hate that. It's like that was a really good point. Yeah. I always tell myself if it was that important, it would come back to me. <laughs> I don't think that it's always true. I don't think and it it's is. hard. It's hard like in <laughs> podcast episodes, like for you people listening, it's really hard because you're like having like these conversations and you're like, but yeah. I need to come back to this other thing because that was important too. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't love, this is what it was. I don't, <laughs> I personally, as a woman, I yeah. don't love scheduling sex. Yeah. But I know yeah. that that is something that is helpful. And so yeah. the way my husband and I have kind of done that, but also tried to be spontaneous with it is kind of say like, if we, if we make it a three day a week priority, then what are the three days in general that we can both be prepared for? And then, you know, each time doesn't have to be intercourse, but like, what is, how can we at least intentionally come together for romance and, and intimacy during those three days. So that's one way that we've tried to balance those two. Cause I love spontaneity. He would take a schedule like 3.35 PM. <laughs> Great. Love you guys it. are very opposites. <laughs> My gosh. I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's like a compromise, right? Compromise. Because I think that there's probably a lot of other couples that are listening along 
that identify with, you know, being opposites and how to like compromise and meet somewhere in the middle. Yeah. You know, yeah. just like all the other areas of marriage we've talked about, sex is n- not an exception for compromise. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It is so important, but so hard sometimes. And I just love like the advice that you're giving about having the conversations and making it like flirty or sexy or, Mm -hmm. you know, Hey, what are, what turns you on this week? I really like that. Stealing that one. I'm taking Mm -hmm. that home. I know it was good. (laughs) It was. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. The other good thing I heard, which didn't come from me was uh, (laughs) one girl, which one girl who said, if you're not feeling sexy, like do something to make you feel sexy. Shave your legs, buy a hot piece of underwear, like just do something that makes you feel sexy, even if you're not going to show it to anyone. Yeah. Great. Take it. Like I will do that. (laughs) Right. Right. Because we all are so sexy. So just be sexy. I know. I love that. Kimberly, thank you for having this conversation with me today. Um, So much helpful information here, but I know that you have so much more helpful information. Where can my listeners find you? Yeah, you can go to marriagehelper.com. We have a free mini course there if you're struggling in your marriage. It's called How to Get Your Spouse Back. And so we can help definitely with that. And then we also have... Uh, podcasts. So your listeners love podcasts. I'm a podcast listener. And so we have a podcast all about marriage called Relationship Radio. And then I I have a podcast called It Starts With Attraction, which really talks about those four areas of the pies that I talked about earlier. And there's a different focus each week of how you can work on becoming your most attractive self. Perfect. I'll be linking all of those in the description of this podcast. Kimberly, thank you so much again for joining me and cheers to staying in love. Yes, I agree. Thank you so much. Thanks.